0: hi there have you been a little bored listening to some of those podcasts lately listen i hope you're not in the car right now with some kids (laughs) because i'm about to drop some f-bombs this ain't your average fucking
1: podcast (laughs) it's
0: kind of one of those things it's like duck you know you see a duck in the water, right? The duck looks like it's cool, but the duck's freaking working hard under the water. Wow! I'm working hard, freaking hard. That's how hard place is. We look cool, but we're working hard.
2: Welcome. You are now listening to the Duck Legs Podcast. We are physical therapy students here trying to bring you raw, honest, and ultimately funny
0: material while we uh, interview the experts of our field. I was brought up listening to Smodcast, Kevin Smith, and nerdist, man. I was brought up listening to comedy podcasts, so when we we were thinking about making a physical therapy podcast, I was like, we're going to make a comedy
2: podcast that happens to talk about physical therapy. Exactly. Welcome to the Duck Legs.
1: So where are we at, everyone? Who's who's up next?
2: All right, so I have a question from Josh Clark from the University of St. Mary. Hey, Josh, hey boy. um,
1: Hey, Josh.
2: He asks Lisa, and you kind of already indirectly answered this, so you can take whatever direction you want. Um, as always, what okay. characteristics do you appreciate the most about your PT? And I feel like this is going to be an even more in-depth question because he's uh, not, I'm not sure he's, he was aware before, if he, before he listened that you are, you know, you have seen Eric for a while now. So yeah. it's going to be deeper answers.
1: Yeah. Um. Eric graduated from Regis in '09, And when I first started working with him, he was a clinic director at another, at another clinic near where I live. And then that the owner of that clinic, decided to sell his clinic um, to them, to um, Eric and his wife, who's also a PT, Ashley Christensen. Um, he's just... I know this sounds very maybe sentimental, but he's just exactly the person I needed. Like, I needed PT in a, in a big way, but I didn't just need PT. I needed Eric. I needed him. um, Because... In his backstory, um, he's, got, he's got two lovely parents who, who uh, I think he described to me once as hippies, which if you met them, you wouldn't say that those are a couple of you know, older hippies. They're great people. I love them. Um, I'm not sure if, if they know how much I love them, even if it's indirect through their son. But um, he was raised by, very, by two very service-oriented people. His mother was a special education teacher before he retired and Eric used to um, tutor the kids in that class, um, apparently some of whom had CP, and others had other issues. And he was also a, uh, a camp counselor at uh, Easter Seals Day Camp. And A couple of decades or a few prior to that, I was an Easter Seals camper. So he knew the environment that I had been in, and he understood a lot of what I was going through, I think, psychologically, or if he didn't, he was very good at faking it. I, didn't, I, guess, I, I guess my diagnosis didn't intimidate him. Mm. And um, later, after he figured out how he was going to help me, um, I don't think my personality intimidated him either. Um, it's, he was just exact, he's exactly the kind of person I need to make PT progress with. Like, there are, other, there are other PTs at the clinic that I've worked with incidentally off and on, but he's been my primary, and I want him to continue to be my primary because we're used to each other, and we have a shorthand that I don't quite have yet with the others, um, although I'm fine when he leaves because I know he's trained the others well, and like I said, he, he hired two of the students that I work with, so I have options, and I have people who know me. Um, He's just he's just what I needed. I mean, like he cares. He's, he wasn't intim- intimidated by the neuro factor, or at least he didn't project that. I, w- I mean, he could have easily said, oh, you know, she's neuro. I know a really good neuro PT across town or whatever. He didn't do that. And at the time when I first started with him eight years ago, I had this vague notion that I was neuro, but I had no appreciation for how much there is a heavy bias against neuro if you're ortho. Like the two are, you know, entirely different camps, and they shouldn't be, because that doesn't help with treatment, and it doesn't help with social integration for people who are neurologically involved and want to be part of society without having to beg for crumbs, you know. Hmm. I just love Eric to bits. I tell him I hate him all the time. He's like, I know.
0: It always it always helps to have that shorthand, especially when you know somebody really well, and it's like, yeah, it's perfect.
1: Well, I mean. Other than my immediate family and my and my job in eight years, he's the longest relationship I've ever been in.
0: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, Good question, Josh. Yeah.
1: Question. Yeah. I, I hope that helps. I wish I nice. wish I could be more specific. I you know, I I could say it's the way he parts his hair, but That yeah, probably helps. That helps probably. <laughs>
2: I think it's just the actionables. Everything you say is so actionable, and really, what I got out of that is just be likable. Just be—you're um, going to have the technical skills. You have that taken care of. It's just a matter of understanding that you're not seeing a patient; you're seeing a person. And I yeah. feel like vibe I get every time I have a conversation with you is that there's so much more going on. It's the whole idea of you never know what somebody you know might be going through or experiencing um, because you're always the star of your own show and. If we can step out of that mindset, that's mm-hmm. kind of what I, those are, that, that's kind of just what, what resonates with me. Every time that you say something, I'm like, oh, that's right. You need to think about that, think about that aspect. That's not, it's not about the PT. And yeah, I totally agree with you.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: We haven't, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's just, it's a good, it's a good follow up. Um, another question, if that's cool, Jared. Oh, yeah, finish them out. Make sure okay. we get all the questions. So there's one more, and it's from uh, Eddie Ernst. I'm sure you guys have seen him. He's oh, shout on, out to Eddie. Uh,
1: Eddie Ernst. Hey, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie.
2: Yeah, he asked a good question. And Eddie, I hope you don't mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to twist it a little bit. Twist but, it. Okay. His question originally was, what do you think lacked from your own rehab pro- process? Which you definitely, obviously can answer that. Um, yeah. I think you're also more equipped to answer just based off of your just based off of who you are and your own experience, I think you're better equipped also to answer. What do you think lacks from maybe the rehab process for, you know, I guess generally speaking, in the United States? Would you think is something <laughs> we can... Are for on? the entire
1: PT country? Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> what do we suck at?
1: It's just a little broad. Um, and let me let me... Correct Eddie, just a little bit, very gently, because I love him and I don't want to hurt him. um, Is is that I've never been rehabbed. You guys understand why?
2: Yes, absolutely. You've told me that before.
1: All right. Let's just recap for the people who don't know. Okay. Rehab is when you've been injured and then they do something to you and then you're not injured anymore. Okay. What I go through in PT most of the time, unless I'm dealing with something that's intermittently acute, which doesn't seem to happen anymore because I'm 53, um, it's all habilitation. And, you know, I I appreciate the question, but the premise is wrong. And it's hard to answer a question effectively if you have completely a different premise. And he's, he's not asking me a question I can answer in the traditional sense, which is fine. Um, but I, I, have never really. Yeah.
2: I'll tell Eddie that you're, he's totally wrong.
1: I love Eddie, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, I have this baseline that is so out of whack compared to what most, most people, most students would be familiar with. I understand. I've, I've never been able to stand on one foot. You know, I can't do it. I can't walk backwards and not hold on to something. I I can't walk forwards anymore and not not hold on to something. Okay. So I think a little bit, if you want to expand the, the client base that you're comfortable with dealing with, with treating, is to get rid of this idea that everybody's in rehab. Everybody's not in rehab. There are a ton of us who've never been in rehab. We don't have something to get back to. We have something to get to. And it's something I tried to explain in uh, my last podcast with Jerry Durham and uh, Eric, my PT. We did a, a podcast together, I was mentioning earlier before we were recording, uh, episode 19 on Jerry's um, Jerry Durham PT uh, site, episode 19. It's like, okay, if you're, if you're a patient with a congenital injury or an injury that's so old that you don't remember not having it, your sense of loss doesn't really start until you're in your 40s. And even then, it's, that's only incre- incremental. What I experience is not really a sense of loss in the traditional sense, meaning when I was a kid and in my 20s and 30s. It's not a sense of loss. It's a sense of absence. I didn't lose something. You, in order to lose something, you have to have it to begin with. Mm. What I feel is primarily a sense of absence because I'm aware that other people are much better off physically than I am and can do more than I can get, okay? So the psychology of treating somebody who's congenital and the psychology of of treating somebody who's a weekend warrior that got injured in a a marathon or somebody who's had a a car accident at the age of 40 and is now suddenly in a wheelchair, that psychology is completely different, okay? And one isn't better than the other. It's just different, Okay. I know that my body is whacked. Okay. There's a certain amount that Eric, of play that Eric and I have in what we can do to to maximize my functionality. But beyond that, we know we're screwed. You know? Most of my treatment now is about mitigating losses and keeping me safe and keeping me moving enough so that my body doesn't atrophy any more than it has to. But Somebody who's twenty, who's in a car accident, they're used to having a normal body and being strong and healthy and being able to eat whatever they want because their, you know, their arteries haven't haven't caught up with them. And, you know, for me, that's that's some faraway Sh- Shangri-La place that I'll never get to visit. So it's a sense of absence, not a sense of loss. Now, I do experience some sense of loss between now and say maybe went back when I was like forty. So, so there's, there's a decrease in function despite the fact that technically CP is not progressive that I've had to deal with now. So I do feel some sense of loss compared to my, to my earlier middle age, but mostly it's just a sense of absence. I'm not like everybody else. Nobody wants to look at me. Nobody wants to talk to me. Nobody wants to date me and that, you know, play the violins, but um, it it puts you in a different category or the other side of not having anybody want to deal with you because they're uncomfortable around disabled people is the people who think that disabled people are the greatest thing since sliced bread. And the code word here is inspirational. Ah. And there's a, there's a video online that was put out as a Ted talk by somebody by the name of Stella young, who's since passed on. She's a wheelchair user and she talks about um, the social model of disability which is very important that people aren't disabled by their physical circumstances. They're disabled by the society that they live in that doesn't know how to cope with them. Hmm. And the other thing was, she talked a great deal about what, and I'm quoting here, what she called "inspiration porn," as in pornography. It's not actual porn, but right. um, it talks about the the lionizing of disabled people as oh, they're so different, they're so much better, they they're so plucky, they're so determined. They're so, I want to climb a mountain, even though I don't have any legs kind of thing. I'm like, I just want to be a normal person and get through my day, you know? Yeah. And the, the idea that we have to either be on a pedestal or completely ignored, that there's no middle ground, that there's no me, seeing me as a regular person. I mean, I've seen um, some people online, and its I've seen it more than once. It's like, I, I'm uncomfortable treating somebody who has something that I've never experienced. Like, do you really want every orthopedic or neurological issue that you're ever going to treat to be experienced by you personally before you will agree or feel comfortable to treat it? You're going to spend a lot of time in the hospital and in the clinic as a patient. That's just crazy. You have to be able to riff off what you know. You have to be able to assume, until you know otherwise, that the person that you're treating that's sitting across from you is 99% just like you. You know, you know, I, I, I walk funny. You know, that's and and my disability impacts greatly on my life. But my disability, and I'll say this again, and I've said it before: my disability is not my life. I'm not looking to be somebody's hero. Don't freaking call me inspirational. Don't ever say that to a person. Specifically, don't ever say that to a child. And don't ever say it to a parent either because people grow up thinking that their kids are special and yeah, everybody's special. Okay. In the sense that everybody has something unique and different to offer. Everybody's valuable. Okay. But if you start using those special words for special people and people start to believe it. And then when they realize the rest of the world doesn't think they're that great, then it's like, okay, I can't play hero. And I'm, you know, I'm dirt. I don't know. Maybe I'm not explaining it right. Does that make sense?
2: That makes a ton of sense.
1: Like, I, I don't totally want to be special. Understand. I just don't want to be special. I just want to get through my day and, and not hurt as much as possible and have some friends and maybe a boyfriend and maybe a husband. But, you know, I'm, I'm out of that realm because...
2: It's one extreme or the other. It sounds okay. like what you're
1: saying. It's like, I just want to be ordinary. Please, God, I just want to be ordinary.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely
0: got the visual of uh, inspiration porn. That definitely resonates.
1: Yeah, uh, the, in the, and um, Dustin, in my interview with him at Senior Rehab Podcast, we were talking about how people periodically post the only disability is a bad attitude. Oh and my that God. It really freaking infuriates me <laughs> for reasons I hope I don't have to explain. Mm-hmm. And Stella talks about that in the, in the TED Talk. But yeah, I would recommend that you guys look that up on YouTube. Like I said, she's passed now, but it was a phenomenal 15-minute talk of like, the stupid stuff that people assume.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely check that out.
1: Mm-hmm. And where
0: where can people find you, Lisa, and reach out to you?
1: Um, Twitter mostly. I was on Facebook for a while, but um, I'm not really happy with Zuckerberg, so I got off, deleted my account.
0: Yeah, he's done uh, some questionable a political things.
1: Political conversation we can have. Yeah. Another time, I'll buy the beer if you drive. Oh, yeah. Um, or we can lift it. I'm getting good at using Lyft now. I'm trying to debate whether my car's like 12 years old and I, I don't know how long it's going to last. So I'm trying to debate whether it'd be a good idea for me to just use Lyft since I work from home. Uh, commuting isn't quite the issue for a person that drives. But at any rate, yeah, Lisa Mac. So L I S A M A C. The letter N as in Nancy. Cheese. all spelled out normally. So Lisa Mac N cheese. Um, That's the only social media platform I'm on. Um, Check out uh, Jerry's podcast, episode 19, uh, Healthcare Disruption. That's um, on his website, jerrydurhampt.com. Check out Senior Rehab Podcast. Um, I believe that was a 2016 interview. It's called Patient Perspective. Um, I want to say it was August of 2016. I'm not sure. Check out Two Nobodies. culture for dialogue that was april of last year i believe um and then there was an earlier one that jerry did but it's escaping me which which platform that was on that one's kind of a dead link i think but check out those three um for if if any of this resonates with you and maybe if it doesn't maybe it will i don't know
2: for sure and edwin what about you where can people hit you up uh, uh you can find me at edwin porras s-p-t porras is p is in paul o-r-r-a-s um and i have pretty much anything else i have will be from twitter it's usually where i'm at hell yeah edwin
0: lisa eddie uh who, who else uh sent us questions josh, oh man josh larry.
2: larry thank y'all so much for making this episode larry. happen Larry. thank you, to you guys appreciate it sorry for the trains rolling through you know you got to get that freight just, we're just glad you're safe edwin <laughs> <laughs> i'm I safe
1: for a shipping company i play with trains all day long
0: <laughs> nice oh, that's awesome yeah thank y'all so much lisa y'all you yeah, have a you guys great have been day great.
1: this is fun we should do this again
0: for sure thank thank appreciate you so it much guys to
1: all of you especially
0: you edwin oh, of course definitely